The AAPA conference is coming up May 18th through 22nd in Houston. I'm so sad that I will not be there, but some of my favorite people will be. So I want to make sure that y'all know who to look out for. So if you're heading down to the conference, make sure you go by the Blueprint and Rosh Review table. They're giving away all kinds of stuff stethoscopes, seats in the review course. They're talking about how Rosh Review has joined Blueprint and what that looks like. But definitely go stop by, say hi, get some swag, tell them I said hello, uh, and it'll be a really good time. I'm sure y'all will have an awesome time in Houston. Make sure you go to Torchy's Tacos, my absolute favorite, and spend some time in the exhibit hall exploring we know that I love Rosh Review um, by Blueprint, and they have so many great resources. So whether you're looking for QBanks, pants review courses, now is the time. And usually there's some special stuff, so go check it out. Does the question, tell me about yourself, terrify you? Well, today, Dr. Dennis Ribello is here to tell us how to story like you mean it and attack that question and all questions in a much less stressful and more effective way. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club Podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. Hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. And I am so excited to share today's episode with you because, I, well, I'm Savannah, by the way, podcast host, person obsessed with everything surrounding being a PA and pre-PA stuff and the creator of the PA platform. But I talk about interviews all the time. Y'all have heard me talk about interviews a lot. But we're going to hear from somebody else and get a different perspective and technique that, y'all, this just kind of blew my mind as we were going through this interview. I was like, okay, you are saying a lot of the same things I say, but putting them together in a way that is super effective. So I'm very excited um, for y'all to hear from Dr. Dennis Ribello. He's awesome, great, just ball of energy. And you will, I think, really enjoy this. Um, if you, we're going to talk about his book, which is called Story Like You Mean It. This is newly released. Um, and similar to my story, he kind of put everything he's been teaching and learning together into book form. Um, that is available on Amazon. I'll have a link in the description, as well as links to his social um, accounts and his website, which is just Dr. Dennis Ribello. Dot com where you can kind of learn more about this technique and I know we are all always on the search for new ways to make sure that we are doing our best on the PA school applications and personal statement and interviews. So this is very timely as CASPA opens in approximately one month at the end of April. So you should be good to go with everything that's going to be coming out over the next month. Um, and you know, I'm always here for you on social. If you want to go to at the PA platform on Instagram, um, or send me an email, I'm happy to help point you in the right direction or answer any questions that I can. Don't forget about the CASPA FAQ, read it, read the whole thing. Um, you know, go ahead and spend some time kind of getting all your stuff together so that it'll be less stressful when the day comes. 
All right, we will jump into our interview. And um, the personal statement guide is now official on Amazon as well. So the PA School personal statement guide, and um, it's on the website as well. So don't forget about that if you're struggling with your personal statement. I also hope to see you guys in a couple of weeks at our CASPA Boot Camp Summit. I don't know if that's the official name. That's just what I came up with right now. Um, but it is going to be April 12th through the 15th from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern every night where myself and Brian Palm and a lot of our great guests will be talking about all things application this will be different than the conference we did in January where we talked a little more generally about becoming a competitive applicant. We're going to be diving into CASPA. We have some great admissions people, like really good ones, um, to talk to you. And then we're going to be going over personal statements and interviews. So just a lot of really awesome content altogether. It's um, $15 to sign up, but if you use the code FUTUREPA, it's 10 bucks and you'll have replays forever. So lots of fun giveaways, of course, for sure too. All right, see you guys there, and let's talk to Dr. Ravello. Um, yeah, let's just jump in and give us a little introduction and background on who you are. Yeah, you're, yeah, might as well start there, right? Who's this guy? I, I usually wear a bow tie, but not tonight on a Sunday evening, right? It's, it's uh, and then we're in COVID, post-COVID, kind of, sort of. So yeah. uh, all, all bets are off, as they say. So, you know, I'm a professor. You know, I'm a professor of leadership, technology, and management, which really means like at the intersection of people and process. My, I haven't started there. Like, I didn't start there. That wasn't where I started, right? Like, you know, I was this young BMX rider sort of kid who really loved being a bit of a pioneer quester, you know, like doing things as an explorer, really, you know, I was, I was always teaching kids too in my neighborhood, how to jump their bike. This was by the way, before the X games and all that jazz, but you know, that was uh, quite a few years ago, but then I fascinated with physics and from physics started thinking about what might be more complicated uh, and evidently people at work telling their story or trying to get the job that they want is way more complicated than physics, right? So uh, I I started to really work there and I played uh, president of corporate um, universities before. Uh, Alex Anani, the brand Alex Anani was the uh, president of the uh, Alex Anani University, which is essentially an institute internally. And it was really quite a bit of fun, you know, for four plus years co-founded the Sports Mind Institute with a couple of uh, an NFL person and an MLB person, and then someone else who was in, uh, a person who was a vested interest in the organization. So, And that was a storytelling organization too. Um, different than the book, of course, because that was with sports folks. But what I, what I wanted to democratize was what I was doing in my private practice, which is geared to support uh, in supporting or toward supporting leaders. And, uh, and so I, I decided to share the mo- the model which is called the peak storytelling model to to everyone from 14 to 84 people can learn how to story more effectively so that's me i'm a professor i run a private practice i built a couple of companies or helped build a couple of companies along the way through education nice and you can do some bike tricks so you, you know i can i you know when when pushed uh and when given an audience uh you know i can even make an audience my kids you know i kind of make them go outside uh, at night turn the truck lights on and hey dad's gonna jump over this fence uh, my right knee is not right still from two years ago doing that so i'm a, at 51 i'm a little bit uh cautious about the 
the, the bike jumping, but yeah, yeah, I can yeah. do a few things. Yeah. Take it easy. Um, well, this is where I think that what we do intersects a little bit because um, in what I do, I'm working with students who essentially want to be PAs primarily or have an interest in working in healthcare in some way um, and are at least considering the physician assistant profession. Um, and the thing that I really love talking about is interviews, which I always encourage, um, which there's the essay too, which is important also in both of those areas, using stories and using examples. And I've worked with so many students that I see struggle with this, um, which is interesting because I feel like we all have so many great experiences. It's just figuring out how do we, how do we put that together? How do we facilitate that? How do we do it without saying a 20 minute story that doesn't really have a point or doesn't come back to talking about us? Um, There's an art to it that is part of what I try to teach, but you can probably teach it better than I can. So what kind of got you interested in, in this kind of area? Where'd you find that interest? Well, my own life, I had to explain how I went from BMX riding, right, to physics, to organizational psychology, to, you know, uh, working within companies. So I, I was always thinking about it in, in, in the background of my brain, right, just simmering. But I like structure and process, and whether you do art or you help people as you do uh, coach them, I, you know, there should be a process, right? There's an art to it, but there's a process, right? So I kept, you know, I wrote my dissertation on work-life storytelling, right? It, it, it technically was phenomenological storytelling, work-life narratives as a means of psychological wholeness. But as it turns out that when you're whole, you have more value. So I said to myself, I've got to break it down. So I'm going to show you one thing quickly. Okay. This is, this is a map and you probably cool. can't see it really there well. There it goes, yeah. There we go, okay? Okay. And essentially, when you start to tell your story, it's at the top. And yeah. uh, this is in the book that was just released. And when you go to tell your story, you're, you get flooded with all of these moments. And I saw it. So to answer your question, Savannah, when, when I saw people get flooded with uh, all of these like moments, and I saw it in the research I did, it wasn't that they meant to be bad storytellers, but I think you alluded to it earlier. What they do is they uh, think, well, you know, I have to speak to Savannah. What should I say? She's a PA. I want to be a PA. Where is she from? She has an accent. I need to say all these things. Uh, she has a two-year-old, I think, or something. And there's, uh, oh, what? Uh, oh, I really like her sweater. You know, like, yeah, like, and then I had a sweater like, and then boom. Remember, all of this is happening. Tick, 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 tick. So even in the most casual settings, I would watch people completely butcher their self-introduction. And whether it's voiced in an interview or unvoiced when you show up at a conference for being a PA or uh, a student club or even family, there's always the, hey, so tell me about yourself. And what they're really asking is, tell me why you can add value to this interaction, my life. So I started studying it and I saw that people get flooded. They rake through all of their experiences and then they blurt something out a little bit. We call that a rough unfolding, leads to a, a, you know, an unclear telling. They start to watch body language and cues, and then they rush it to close. And the reality is they need statistically up to 17 more times to to come on in. Now, no one, whether it's a job or for school or even a relative that is your favorite uncle or aunt will say, hey, come on back and let's give it another go. So you've got to get ready for these, right? You know, 
And, uh, and then I, I, I started thinking about the methodology that I learned a little bit about uh, uh, what I would want to do uh, from a research standpoint. And I said, look, people aren't going to read research. You have to break down Dennis, right? So me talking to myself, you have to break <laughs> it down so that people understand their life is like a, a pyramid. Okay. And much like, right. And much like Maslow's hierarchy, your base, right. Is all about what it's all about survival, right? It's like food and water, then it's belonging, then it's uh, self-actualization. Nope. You have to have self-esteem. Nope. You have to have belonging, then self-esteem, then you can go be creative and do everything that you love morally good, et cetera. What's interesting is that when I was studying people's formative experiences, which are really impressionable moments in their lives, I realized that in storytelling, those were the most provocative sizzlers that could be embedded into a story. And so as I was interviewing leaders and I do my, doing my phenomenology in the you know, research world, and then doing the practice, one was informing the other, right? I'm coaching people in high stakes, you know, big calls, merging companies, you know, helping them before live video streams, 5,000 people at a speech, you know, big deals. And I said, well, look, it's the same thing. People want to know who you are. So you can compress to your point, compress the story or make it big. So this is what happens. I said, okay, if we could look at a similar triangle, but then identify hero experiences where you overcame an obstacle as a human being, one type of story, okay? Not going to save somebody, but being heroic, like learning another language, moving a lot because you were the daughter of um, a Navy officer, um, going through a divorce and uh, watching your parents split and managing two homes and figuring out how to get along with both. We all have them, getting over an injury, right? Uh, learning something. And then the, the middle of the diagram, much like Maslow's was belonging, is about belonging, but really collaborative stories. Those aren't, and it's not ambient belonging. It's like school project, a team. It's when you had to create something with another. And then at the top were these virtuous stories, which is when you say, you kind of catch a, a little bit of an aroma, a whiff of something you love to do. You're like, ooh, I love that. Um, <laughs> I love coaching, teaching, you know, uh, being a caregiver, right? For you, it's coaching. It's like, I like to help people crack the code. I want to ride with them during this bumpy ride to get them through and we'll do it together. Once you caught that, right, Savannah, you must've been like, oh, this is it. And that's when you say, I, it would be immoral for me not to coach. Now, if you showed up and you said, it's immoral for me not to coach people in the PA world, people would say, well, that's really great. But like, why are you valid? <laughs> You're valid, right? You're valid because you had your hero moment that somehow informed you that working together with people then lit the fuse to realizing this is really truly what you should do. When you yeah. connect those three dots, that three-stage story, and those are embedded into what's called a peak story, boom. So I said, I'm gonna write the guide. COVID hit. I said, I'm not waiting any longer. Spent all my time pouring into this as I was teaching a bunch of courses, five, six, seven courses during the same time, four, four in the spring, three, yeah, seven during this time. And I said, I'm going to do it. And I was still seeing my private clients all hours of the day and night. And I was like getting up at four o'clock in the morning and then boom, it went out and it became a bestseller in the first three days in 10 different categories at one point or another from speech to creative self-help to, um, you know, uh, what was the other one that came up? There was, oh, a communication reference guide, you know, just a bunch of them. But the point is people are grabbing it, reading it and devouring it and remapping their stories at all ages. And I'm getting these notes and direct messages. So when we got connected, I said, 
Of course, if you want to tell your story as to why you should be a PA, which people get confused about what a PA is in the first place, sure. then I, right. And, and I yeah. saw that in your work and I said, well, well, like this, this should cl- help them clarify. It should be a handbook essentially to help guide them, you know? So yeah, I know it's a long answer, but no, you know. no, that's great. Like, I think, I mean, I think everyone, including myself appreciates when you can break something down into And what I try to emphasize, it's not necessarily a template. Like my reason is not going to be the same as yours because we have different experiences. But I really like that you emphasize that those um, heroic moments don't have to be something large because that's what a lot of pre-PAs get hung up on. They think it does have to be saving a life when that's not necessarily the case. Like, and I, I like let's do an example with me just based on what I learned from you just now and what you're describing with coaching. So I would say my heroic moment. And I think of that as kind of just overcoming adversity, maybe a little bit. Um, Can you tell me one? Yeah. Yeah. So like the, I just was thinking about it just now. And I think mine would be when I was in college, um, just struggling with people not knowing what PAs were and even my advisors not really knowing how to help me through everything I needed to do to get into PA school um, and having to figure out a lot of that by myself, ask questions, do research. Um, And what that led to in that collaborative sense was I became someone that my classmates would come to and ask questions, you know, what, what classes should I be taking? Can you help me figure out my schedule? Um, can you tell me more about what you're doing and, you know, trying to figure out their paths. And I figured out that was something I really enjoyed. I, I'm a planner at heart and I love helping other people figure that out. Um, and so once I became a PA, which I also love, and I love working in dermatology and everything, um, I still, I felt like something was kind of missing. And then I, I've also always had kind of this creative side, loved writing. And by putting those things together, that's how the PA platform came about and helps me do that. So I still get to be involved with students and helping them figure all this out and kind of have this creative outlet while doing my work as a PA. So that's really cool. Like that, it just makes sense. Well, and when I hear your story, I think, okay, now when you have to put that together quickly, that's a lot of pressure for anybody. Right. right. And yes, you've done so much sure. thinking and you have this wonderful practice that's um, adjunct to your other work. And, uh, and in some ways it's the entire ecosystem of the work that you do. Right. Because you're, yeah. So if you, if you have to explain who you are and they say, tell me about yourself, you know, in the method, we would take these dots because you identified three and we put together, we put them together like this. So I'll be you and you, you can say, Hey, Savannah, um, how are you? And, you know, heard a little bit about your work. How did you get there? Go ahead. All right. I'll be you. Which this is myself, because this is how all PA school interviews start out is just tell me about yourself. So this is great. <laughs> all right, Savannah, tell me, tell me how you got here. Well, it's actually, I think I've been in training for a long time to do this. So you would say really? probably, right? Like, okay. like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, being a PA was, it was like, um, People, when I would say, I want to be a PA, it was like they had glasses and they put Vaseline over their glasses as soon as I said PA. All right. And so for me, because I'm naturally an explorer, I said, why are people bumping into like each other trying to figure out how and what this thing is? 
if it's in fact a bona fide profession that is so instrumental and catalytic to giving people healthcare assistance, service, and treatment. And I said to myself, well, this can't be. So I kept digging around and I figured out by some self-leadership, you know, what, what was really going on? And it's because, you know, quite frankly, it's an innovative space to be in. And the more I took what I learned and converted it, the more I realized I was like really excited to kind of be a teacher. And I was teaching my classmates. And the more I taught them, the more I, I realized that, boy, my organization competency is really important, not just in, in the treatment of others, but in also the profession. And I realized that, boy, this is like kind of a tribal thing that I'm doing here. Like I'm, I'm getting more and more energy. And so then I realized that I can still be a PA, but how am I going to help people as a PA in the dermatology space? And I, and I realized, well, this is it. We have technology on our side now. So I can be like a, I can create an ecosystem that can allow people to belong in a really nice way. So they don't feel like that isolated sort of um, strange bird or zebra that's hanging around horses, which is kind of the way I felt at the beginning, because if you don't feel good about what you do and that you're connected to other people and you don't have that relatedness, then the self-endorsement to do the work and do it well, well, it just, you bump in for, into furniture, right? It's like Vaseline on your glasses. So you know, I love what I do. This ecosystem has given me such life and energy and, and, and that's my story. So I'm glad to be at the conference today. What about you? Tell me about yourself. Oh my gosh. I love that. That is awesome. And that's, yeah. I mean, I just see so many ways that that can translate into like being at a conference for me or, I talk to a lot of pre-PA clubs and just, you know, talking to them and telling my story and, um, but also these pre-PAs who are going into interviews. Cause I've heard a lot of tell me about yourself answers and just interview answers in general, um, where they just struggle and, and also they, they struggle with how, how to use stories and how to keep it also focused on themselves and not about Mr. Smith or whoever they're talking about. So I really, I like that framework. So how did you, how did you put this all into a book, which I'm super impressed in how quickly you wrote a book. Both of mine have taken me three years, which is ridiculous. So great job. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm going to say, you know, it was 10 years in the making, right? Because I was running a, you know, I was doing a practice of of doing this. I was helping people tell their stories as they're related to brands. I was, you know, hanging around people like uh, Joe DeSena from Spartan, who built a brand, uh, the, you know, that is, you know, the obstacle course racing company, which, you know, his story is so embedded. So I was around people that were doing identity-based businesses all the time. And I was, in service to them as an advisor in some capacity along the way, right? And so I had a lot of live examples, but I realized that people like to respond to maps. So that's the diagram I just shared with you and that there are different lanes of life. And so how I wrote the book was I really started with a digital tool and I had all of my students use a digital tool. And then I took uh, what I learned was the best way to present from the, you know, this material from the digital tool. And uh, what I just showed you was the, the peak storytelling map and the story stamp that allows you to get to competencies, people, the power of place and motivations, which I embedded into your story. 
Now right. it's not wizardry. Well, it could be a little bit story <laughs> wizardry, but I'm using the system. I just that because I wrote the book, I can do it really quickly, right? Just like you can do something in the PA world that I couldn't take me a year <laughs> to figure out what you right. even did in the first place. So I wrote the book quickly because I had the digital tool. My wife is an instructional designer. We deployed it in a private practice. It, it, it was an adjunct methodology for helping students uh, be great at storytelling in class. And I had diverse audiences, right? I had uh, sergeants and police forces in the class. I had students who were dual enrollment students. I had a, one student, Hannah Ong, who you know was an ELL student, came from Cambodia, wanted to go to a great school, was in high school. And then I'd have pre-law students in the same class. So speaking across audiences as a class at Roger Williams University, I was leveraging some of my digital tool that was published by Burst Learning. And then I was looking at what was the best way to sort of crack the code to get this into a book. So I had a lot of different feedback loops. So when I, and again, 10 years more probably of doing this and then writing a dissertation. So then everything started to, to kind of line up. I was like, whoa, this is multicultural, multi-generational. Everybody has a storytelling muscle. It just went to sleep. Right. It went to sleep and we don't have a method. I mean, where can you find a workbooky book that has, you know, 12 pages of academic references, but doesn't sound like an academic book that gets you better fast. So that's, that's really the genesis of, uh, genesis of the quickness, right. Was that I was doing all this other stuff at the same time. And it helped me synthesize the model that was already in existence, but just in existence differently. Yeah. And put it all together. And I love that there's so many graphics in the book to help. I mean, different, we have all different types of learners, but to help those visual learners really put it together. So there you go. Um, No, I think this definitely can, can apply. I mean, how have you seen this storytelling method applied to students who are applying to maybe specifically healthcare or graduate level programs. Um, I mean, I think definitely the interview and networking, which is so huge in medicine. Well, it's a great question. So my undergrad was at the University of Rochester, which I think the argument is that we had the, the strong memorial was one of the first teaching schools in the United States. So this is, this is actually a very, your question sparked this, uh, this answer, which is in this person coming into it, um, uh, Megan Forney, who is in medical school in Ohio, um, actually used the beginning of the method, which was lightly presented in my TED talk, but not nearly as not nearly as in depth and easy right. to use as this. And she actually, as an RA at the University of Rochester, was shown the talk, and then later my son. You know, I, I'm 420 miles away from Rochester now in, in Rhode Island, southern part of Rhode Island, sort of where the ferry leaves to go to Block Island is the town next to me. And she, she, I met her and, and she became uh, a research assistant and she cool. used the method early on to, during her in-between year to get into the med school of choice to tell her story. So I was like, well, this is great. Hannah Ung, who I mentioned earlier, uh, was able to land $80,000 in scholarship. Um, yeah, she, she, wow. at, at the end of class, she came up to me and said, uh, Hey doc. Uh, so I told my story and, uh, I got a scholarship, $20,000. I said, Hannah, it would, no, every picture this, right. Oh my Savannah, God. everybody is leaving class. I said, well, Savannah got a scholarship. She told <laughs> her story. Like before the end of class, like she still has two more weeks left. Everyone was like, Oh my gosh. And she said, yeah, it's, um, and for all four years, I said, well, like 
Hannah, it's $80,000. Wow. And yeah. And, and then she said, and it's unrestricted. So I don't have to stay in Rhode Island. I said, wait a minute. So now she's at Northeastern, you know, in the first couple of years, she was able to visit a couple of different countries, study abroad programs, pre COVID. And yeah, it's just amazing. So, you know, it's very accessible. It's, it's very usable. And, and to your point about graphs and at the end of every chapter, there's something to do. And eventually right. you'll find your three dots. If you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, I don't know what my dots are. Sometimes it's, you know, to Savannah's point, it's not that you save someone's life. It's just that you were a caregiver early on. You helped an elderly person in your community. You know, you had a brother with a, you know, sort of maybe, um, maybe he had some trouble speaking and you were, you weren't a speech therapist, but you, you helped him uh, stay up late with you. And you were a guardian to that process a little bit, you know, like, it doesn't mean that you were overtly doing PA work, but there are traces of your essence in lived experiences. And in particular, your motivations, I call them your mental muscles, uh, are like, were you a self-leader like, like yours, Savannah, right? Um, were you, did you have openness? Did you have, you know, what did you have as a mental muscle? So we, we give all the language. So we import a bunch of cool language. So it kind of ups the game of the interview scene, right? Um, and it, it's a blast and, and also the power of people in place. Like those should be part of your blue dots. We call formative experiences, blue dots. And we use Stephen Jobs speech as a sort of a way to kind of, for people to understand what blue dots are, because he, he's an example of using the peak storytelling methodology. Interesting. Yeah. You, uh, your, your method is way more, um, well, well researched and put together than mine, but that's what, if anyone is listening and has read my stuff about interviews, that's kind of what I describe as pivotal moments. I'm like, you got to figure out what, what changed your direction? What is your pivotal moment that made you pivot towards PA or away from something else? And then kind of decide which of those moments are most important in telling your story. So Again, your your method does it way better than mine. So well, well, but we work together, right? Like you're, you're yeah, right no, on, I think yeah, so. We work together, it goes together and, and really well. It, it's brilliant that you're bringing people to pivotal points because that's part of the dots, right? That it, it's so it's part of this like sort of like when you realize. But but what really what people want to know is that the person in front of them right now is a little bit like an exotic bird. This is a person who is so unusual. They're so, and they have like, just being able to tell your story this way to usher in these blue dots, we call them, right? It, it allows you to story like you mean it. That's the title of the book, Story yeah. Like You Mean It. And, and, and you do so effectively because like a good lawyer on Law and Order or whatever your favorite show is, you're going to give precedent by bringing those dots in. And, and, and we have something called the four square, which allows you to create a theme and themes like a, is a genre, right? It connects just like you go to a dog show and it's like, you know, there are groups of dogs. These, these are the, the herding breeds, right? I have three yeah. Australian shepherds, right? If you like horses, I have quarter horses versus, you know, whatever, you know, Appalachian. So like there's a really kind of a way to think about your life is having a genre, but genres are the big picture thing that connect the dots. The dots themselves just align. And once when you go through the book, there are some cool questions that help you find what is, what is your theme? Are you a pioneer explorer? Are you a caregiver warrior? And when, and, and you wouldn't think, Oh, like how would that impact you? But it is the sense making bit. It lights the dots on fire. It flashes them. And like a good lawyer, 
when you usher in those dots, when you say, Hey, you know, it's sort of funny. I didn't realize when I didn't know what to do and what a PA was that I'd end up here, but I've had like a lot of training in the space. And then you, you create doggy head tilt for the listener. Listener goes, well, where is she going with this? <laughs> and then you self story with such confidence that you have given them that, that reason that your story is significant through the dots. If you don't do that, if you do half a dot or part of a dot, or you don't reflect on moments, mm-hmm. what happens is you, 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 you're better than, you know, you might be 17% better than average, but you can't sound these days boilerplate. You can't sound scripted and you can't sound like everybody else. And it's, by the way, it's, if you're listening to this and you think, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? It's not your fault because yeah, your, your parents, it's hard and your parents, friends, family, and every media interview you've ever seen in the world. If it's on Amazon, you're watching a movie, you see somebody interviewed, they never really do a good job showing you someone who's great at storytelling. What they do is show somebody saying, you know, I've got a CPA, I've worked here for 18 years, you know, I used to work at Lehman before, you know, that thing happened. And it's like, wait, 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 that's terrible. So we just see terrible all day. So no wonder why most interviewing is so poor. And you, again, you know this because you see it in this tool, uh, the book, you know, I'm just so thrilled to, to meet you in your community because it can really enliven the process. And this should be a joyful something, but you have to do the work in the book, right? You, you, if you don't do the work, when the moment comes, you're not going to be pro. And this is about going from amateur interview to pro. And if you want to turn pro, you've got to do the work. And the good news is people are reporting that they're doing it in a week. You know, I didn't think people would be in a week you know, reporting what they're reporting. And, and again, you know, folks who are retired who are trying to explain why they retired are writing me. And then folks like Hannah Ung are reporting sort of casually at the end of the class that she, <laughs> you know, earned $80,000 by telling no her story deal. in yeah. two and a half minutes, you know, hello. So I think, I think that we have a really nice combination of yeah. um, helping tools for people here. For sure. And that's why I know everyone's always looking for especially with the interview ways to, to help and just learn to be better, which is great. Um, well, where can we find your book and more info on you and, and the storytelling method? Yeah, right on. So my website, which is sort of like the, the ecosystem of all my stuff is drdennisrebello.com. So it's D-R-D-E-N-N-I-S, rebel with an O, one L. So drdennisrebello.com. And the book story, like you mean it, is available on Amazon in hardcover, Kindle, and in paperback. And you know, everyone has their their favorite, and whatever yours is, that's great. We just want to help you. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll have links to all of that in the description for sure, so everybody cool. can find you. Thanks so much for sharing. You bet. You bet. It's a pleasure being here, and you know, uh, here's to your story. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and I hope you enjoyed this. If you got something out of this, please screenshot it and share it on Instagram so I can see. I love when y'all show me that you're listening to the podcast. And go give Dr. Rubello's account some love. Let him know what you enjoyed about this episode, what you got out of it. Check out his book, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye.